Joining me today is business owner, author, and friend, James Fudo. James is the founder and president of JVF Solutions. JVF Solutions is the premier website design and development company for small, mid, and large business owners. So look at it this way, guys. There are over 130,000 web design and development companies in the U.S. alone as of January 2023. I looked this up. Not to mention the roughly 2 million web developers that exist independently. So how is James Fudo and JVF Solutions different? Well, let me tell you. Many of these companies that you see, they have leaders with no web design and development backgrounds. They're marketing professionals, but they typically subcontract the actual work. Now, do you want that? James has 20 plus years experience in software engineering and web development. And nowadays, people stumble across web designers on social media. These businesses have marketing backgrounds, but do they really know how to answer that most important question? Is your website making you money or costing you money? Is your website bringing in actual business? So if you're working for your business website rather than it working for you, James Fudo and JVF Solutions can convert your web traffic into clients. With their team of experts, they will help design or redesign your website to attract more visitors, keep them engaged, and convert them into customers. James offers a complimentary 30-minute consultation and reviews your site with you to uncover areas of improvement in order to perform better. So I'm not going to just talk about James. I'm going to talk to James today. I'm delighted to have him on the podcast, and we're going to talk about what it means to start your own business and what some of the challenges are and what the key things are that you can and should pay attention to. So James, thanks for joining us today, man. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited that we're able to do this. Yeah. James and I are utilizing for the first time a podcast studio here in Framingham, Massachusetts. And I'm just grateful to record an episode outside of my studio, which I've recorded all of my 51 episodes in so far. So, so James, I wanted to talk to you about how you started your business. For those listening who would like to hear an example, you worked for a large corporation as a technical and solution delivery manager for almost 17 years. And right. actually, before that, you were a software engineer. Mm -hmm. What made you give up that comfortable job and comfortable lifestyle to start your own business? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. And it, it's certainly been a journey. I mean, it's a journey that, that started in the mid-80s when I was 10 years old. I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I went to Bentley. Uh, it was called college at the time. Now it's Bentley University. Uh, just down the road in Waltham, Mass. And with every intention of taking entrepreneurship courses and coming out starting a business, but I ended up getting into software engineering, as you mentioned. When I was in grad school, built my first website and actually started teaching 1996, September, October 96, built my first website, <clears throat> excuse me, on a platform called GeoCities, which got swallowed up by Yahoo. It's not even around anymore. Ended up, when I got out of grad school, working for a dot-com called Intellicast, and I was on their web development team. I was a programmer there, a software engineer, then left there, went to an e-commerce company, and then landed at a Fortune 100 retailer where I met you and worked there for about 17 years. And 
you know, I think it was around the time I hit 15 years at that company where, and it's a great company. It's a company that um, I loved working for. I loved the people. The, you know, you couldn't pick a bet. I was, I was thrilled. In, in 17 years there, I met probably three, 400 people. Can count the amount of people I had issues with on one hand. So I mean, it was it was a, it was a great job, great benefits, but I was I felt like there was something missing, and you know I've tried to make JVF solutions happen for many years. I you know I was doing it full time in addition to my full time job for a few years. Found that pretty difficult to juggle, and then you know the pro the biggest problem with making that leap is the longer you wait, the more difficult it is to do. Right, and so, like, if you're making, let's say, you're fresh out of school, you're making like thirty, fifty thousand dollars a year. It's easy to walk away from that and take, you know, a slight pay cut to to work for yourself. You know, when you start getting like fifty, hundred, hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand and up, it's harder to make that that move and walk away. Sure. Uh, so what actually happened with me is I, I looked at my age. I was, I think, 47 or 46 at the time when I finally decided to do it. And I'm like, if I don't if I do not do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I took a technique that I learned from Tony Robbins many years ago nice. where it's like, look at yourself 20 years from now. And I'm like, all right, when I'm a pro, instead of getting close to 50, if I'm getting close to 70, how am I going to fail if I'm, you know, maybe working my way up in a company versus never going back and doing things on, you know, on my own? There's so many dreams that die and, you know, there's so many people that go to their grave with good ideas, good dreams, and they just never happen. And I didn't want that to happen to me. And I knew if I didn't, if I didn't do this at this moment in time, I never would. Right. So that's that was my primary motivation. It was just it's now or never. It's like I've got to put up or shut up and and take the leap. It wasn't the ideal timing, but it's just it's never ideal. Yeah. Though, right? But I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, when when's the best day to do your New Year's resolution? It's like, why wait? You right. Know, right now we're in April. Why wait until New Year's or why right. wait until Monday? Why wait until this? Do it now. So I finally you know made that decision. I'm like moving forward with it. And what were literally some of the first steps that you had to take when you first decided to launch the company? Like, walk me through, like, feel free to get specific. Well, it's funny because it's like, all right, how do I go about... The biggest thing with any business is you've got to figure out how you're going to make money. So I had been reading a couple books about how to create business plans and things like that. I actually, I wrote a business plan in 1997 that's probably... 30, 40 pages of business plans and of the plan itself, and then probably another 60 pages of financial projections. So I have I have degrees in business, a bachelor's and master's from Bentley. So I took a number of business courses on finance and all of that stuff. So having the plan is obviously the first step. Um, having done this quasi full-time before, you know, I'm thinking to myself, all right, this will be easy. I'll just go back. I, I looked through all my notes from what I had done, you know, six, seven, eight years prior, reached out to some of my contacts and started getting the word out that, okay, I'm, I'm moving back into doing this type of work. What worked for me in 2012 was Craigslist for advertising. In any given week, I was probably running 20 sorry, three ads in 20 different markets. So I had about 60 ads going. 
back then Craigslist was free. Then it's now like $5 per ad. Right. And then I'm thinking to myself, is $300 a week enough? If spending that much in advertising, am I going to get a good return on that? And, you know, the world had changed in the six, eight, 10 years since I had tried to do this before. So I had to take a different approach. And that took a little bit of time and research to figure that out. You know, as always, it's like anything that you do with business. My advice to everybody is that you find one client, even if you have to do the work for free, and you do such an amazing job for that person that they're going to tell the world about you. I was fortunate enough that I had clients that would pay me. <laughs> so I didn't have to do anything for free. I, I had already had a portfolio. I mean, again, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've done well over 100 websites in my lifetime. So I've had portfolios. I've had people that have, have given me reviews on Yelp, Craigslist, Google, wherever, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, for the work. I even taught web design. I taught it in 96 when I was a grad instructor at Bentley taught it in a continuing ed program over here in Metro West in 2012 through 16 doing that. So it, you know, having that background and being able to already have a name that people recognize was a big help. If I had to start from scratch and people wouldn't know my name from anyone else's, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle and it's, I'm not like a Rockefeller <laughs> like that, or a Kennedy that has like, you know, a big... Or big a Vanderbilt. Family. Yeah, Vanderbilt, <laughs> you know. I don't have like a name like that behind me. I have a rel you know, relatively unusual name, so <laughs> it's not famous yet. <laughs> so that actually leads into my next question, and I think you sort of answered it already. And I know for me, I didn't have any investors. Were you able to secure any investors or were you completely self-funded coming out of the gate? Self-funded myself. And I'll even tell you what I did because I, I watch a lot of Shark Tank. Me too. A lot of people Me come too. There. I took $5,000, set it aside to purchase some of the things that I needed to launch this. And that's been my only investment. And, you know, I've been cash flow positive since. That's awesome. And you said you had a business plan, right? That you originally... Now, how did you create it? You had some formal business training. So mm -hmm. I think one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is you should, I'm not saying to all of you out there, you're dead if you don't, but you really should create a business plan. Yeah. I didn't do one until maybe six months in because I didn't really even know. I was literally Googling, like, yeah. how do you write a business plan? So how did you create one? Like, is this something that you learned in, in school? It's funny. I, I actually found a book on it. Nice. And it Do you remember a, the book by any chance? It's okay if you don't. I actually remember the author because he's my entrepreneurship professor at Bentley, Jeff Schumann. Cool. And I found his book. And then when I saw that he was a professor at Bentley, I found it right before I started there. So oh, nice. when I had him in class, I'm like, by the way, I, I have your book. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice opener. Um, it's a really... Go easy on me with grading. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say he wrote it probably in the late 80s, maybe early 90s is, you know, when I came across it and I just held on to it. And it's a it's a great format. You know, again, it's a book. It's not like a, a downloadable Word document that you can just go in and fill in. So what I did is... I, I prefer the books, personally. Yeah, I, 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 really I do, do too. I like something physical. You read three pages, you yeah. put it down, yeah. and, you know, whereas I have it up on my laptop, and then my phone rings, or my kid needs something, and then, you know, my screen freezes, 
I, I can't find it again. Right. I don't know. That that's I sound like an old fuddy, but uh, well, no. I mean, what I like the books. Yeah, well, like what I really like is it takes you step by step through every section of the plan. So like, there's a, a section on marketing, a section on finance, operations management. You do your um, executive summary, and what it does is it tells you what should be in there step by step. What helped me with that because it was a book and not a template that you just fill in is that I actually had to go in there and word and, you know, create the sections and then type in. <laughs> I'd type in notes if I didn't have answers to the question. Like the way the way I operate with filling out things is that I'll put in what I can and then I'll I'll make notes to do figure this out, figure that out. So like for example, there's a section on HR in there. When I first started it was just me. I didn't need a big section on HR, it's like, oh yeah, I have right. these ideas for what I want to do. You know, you're not doing sensitivity training yet. Right. You're yeah, not, it's, you'll get there. You know, it's like, all right, these are our company holidays. <laughs> right. But I mean, it's cool because you leave space for that in there. And eventually when you do have an HR, you know, like we're, we're growing. I think the teams that I have six people in addition to myself now, or five people in addition to myself. Nice which is great because it's required me to, to think like that. But yeah, like going in and, and actually putting every section in on the uh, the business plan, it takes time. It makes you think about it. And it also stops you from just like spewing out what's in your mind into your plan. It's like right. it makes you think a little bit. And what I liked about that particular book is they'd ask you questions. So like your location of your business, where is it? You know, why is that advantageous? And for a web design company, location doesn't always matter. I mean, when I, again, like I first started this during COVID, so all the networking was online. I got about a third of my business through an online networking group based out of Florida for 2021. Now it's like I'm getting more, you know, through more formal networking. And then now I have a sales team that helps me with some things. So that. Location isn't really that important. However, now what I've found is having an office that clients can come to does make you look a lot more professional. I mean, yeah. I had I had one of my digital marketers in here yesterday and actually a couple times this week and we're whiteboarding things and going through ideas and, you know, she'll be helping us out with this, these types of podcasts and things going forward. But it's, you know, it, it's certainly, there's an advantage to doing it. I mean, I've made connections totally. in this building with people for potential clients and it's been, it's been great. So there are things, it, it makes you think about things that you ordinarily wouldn't. If you just kind of sit there and go, it's, and, uh, you know, this is a, probably a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant is that there's two extremes. There's like no plan whatsoever, which is just like, all right, I'm going to start a business tomorrow quit my job and then just go out and start talking to people. What should I start? What, you know, what are the things I need to learn? On the other extreme, it's like you spend two years writing your business plan and not actually executing anything. You've got to find something yeah, that's, that's in the point. middle because, yeah. you know, at, you know, when I was at that retailer, we did a pivot from what's called waterfall technology to agile. Mm -hmm. And one of those things in there that has been- the sprints. Yeah, well, one exercise that they shared with us is that they talked about executives and kindergartners doing the same exercise. The executives struggled with it, and the kindergarten people had a lot more success. And what it was is they gave everybody a bunch of spaghetti sticks and marshmallows, and it's like you've got to create the biggest tower that you can. 
So the executives would sit there and they're trying to figure out, or engineers, they'll try and figure out, all right, you know, how should we plan this out? The kindergarten kids, they just like started sticking stuff together and building. So, I mean, it's kind of, there's merit to both approaches, but you've got to do a little of each. So it's like, you know, every, I think I've shared with you, Greg, what I do is that I, you know, beginning of the year, I set my, my goals for the year. Then I break them into quarters and then I break those quarters into months. And then what I do is every day I plan out my day hour by hour. I have five priority items that I need to get done each day. And I put an estimate of how much time I expect those to take me. And then I have a a list of five stretch items if I have time. And then I have room for emergencies because in this field, a client may call, you know, call up and say, oh, um, my website's down or somebody broke something. Um, I have this thing coming up and it's, you know, like good customer service. You're not going to say, all right, oh, your site's down. You're not on my list today. Bye-bye. Right. You know, you want to be able to go and, and help them because, you know, my, my, my philosophy with our clients is that we're not successful if you're not successful. So right. we have to adapt to that. And that's, that's sometimes tricky in an IT-related business. Being in IT for 25 years, you know that you can never really plan out your day. <laughs> to the hour. Oh my God. But you know, you work time into your schedule. So like I, I leave an hour for lunch and then an hour in the afternoon to catch up and, and do things that may have happened unplanned. So that's, that's an approach that I use, but yeah, you, you certainly need to know where you're going. It's like, you don't go like, you know, we're over here in Massachusetts. If you're driving to, to Florida, you know, you don't want to just hop on 95 and, you know, go south until it brings you there <laughs> because you don't know where, you know, that that's that will get you there eventually. Um, but you never know, like, where, you got to figure out where you're going to stop because it's a you know 20 hour drive. You're going to have a better experience and very yeah. highly likely more successful experience than you're right. right than if you just jump in the car and, yeah. and go south. Right? I mean, you know, the general direction, but it's like. You know, you're, you're going to run into pitfalls. You'll hit traffic exactly. in New York City and, uh, and around D.C. Um, so there are ways to get around all of that that you'll want to be aware of. So that's where like a GPS or a tool like that, which helps you create a plan. Or in the old days when we used to go to AAA and have them do triptychs, that would show you where the construction's at and let yep. you – because it's important to, to think about like what are the potential bumps in the road that you're going to hit. And, you know, our road closures and things like that's a that. That's great. Because, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Once it was time to execute and actually launch JVF, was it easy to incorporate yourself? You mean by creating... Like, the- I'm thinking of the people out there right now that uh, are thinking about becoming business owners or entrepreneurs, and they know nothing about the, the process. You know, how easy was it or difficult was it to, you know, actually like take that step? Because that is a big right. step. It's like you go from idea to like, Wow, I have this piece of paper that says I'm incorporated now. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, not everybody is cut out for it. That's the thing. And I I think you and I have had this conversation a couple of times too where, and it's been on my mind quite a bit lately, is that not not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur. It is, you know, there's, there's a running joke where entrepreneurship is working twice as hard for half the money. And then there is some truth to that. I know a lot of people... 
you know, they go on social media and they're like, if you're not working for yourself, you're a loser. Right. And that's, that's not true. I mean, like, Agreed. I, 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 I loved Definitely. my, my job, my last job. I loved, I love the teams that I worked with. I love the people there and I'm still friends, good friends with a lot of them there too. And those people, you know, it's a, it's a thing. Do you have, you need to have both the um, ability and the desire. And there's people that you and I know that have the ability, but just don't have the desire to do it. There's other people that we know that have the desire, but not quite the ability. You can get that ability. But for me, it was a little bit easier because I have studied entrepreneurship for almost 40 years now. And um, I like when I was 10 years old, I was reading a book called Practical Real Estate Brokerage to learn how to be a real estate broker. And I was reading a book called Double Your Money in Six Years. And it was about how to make money buying other people's mortgages. And I've Harvey McKay is my favorite business author. I started reading his books when I was in high school. And he gives you a lot of tips. He started an envelope company at 26. So he had 20 years on me. <laughs> but like, you know, you learn a lot. And I've, I've always listened to entrepreneurial podcasts and um, read books. So, but again, like reading, it, it's different from when you get out there. And that's the other p- part of the equation because yeah, I mean, like I went to a business school. Not everybody that went to that school is cut out for entrepreneurship. Right. You know, it doesn't mean just because you have that background that it's going to be right. And you know, I've had 17 years in a in a Fortune 100 corporation where you learn a ton of things. You know, having a team, managing a team, hiring, firing, leading. You know, managing up, managing down, all of that type of stuff. It's so different than. You know, nothing truly prepares you right. for being out on your own. So that's the the second part of it is do you have the stomach for it, which frankly a lot of people you know struggle with. So having that business acumen where there are you know there are groups like the Chamber of Commerce is in this building that we're in. You you know they're they're a great resource. So your local chamber can probably point you in the right place. In Mass, we have the Small Business Development Corporation that gives you some information as well and they hold different trainings so you can learn about things like how to form a business how right. to do you know what and a lot of it is free too or very low cost i mean right. the networking group that i belong to with you is 75 bucks a year right. so i think the message that james is conveying here is it is pretty easy to incorporate yourself i mean full disclosure you guys i literally googled how to set up right. an llc yeah and then i came up with you know i, I went to a couple different sites and now is that always the best way to do it? I think maybe you could start there, but then just it's it's all about talking to people, right? right? So some of the you know, so clearly James had business training before he, you know, launched JVF. And so that really gave him that really gave you, James, a lot of education right. to, you know, you so so now you're able to deal with different things and it has everything to do with you know, structure, not just the technical parts of it, but like how to manage people, how to hire people right. you've hired. I mean, that was a lot of what James and I did together right. at the company we worked at was we, we partnered together on hiring, right? So some of the business training that I've had post-college has been to analyze, this is a little bit of a different direction, but I wanted to get your take on it, James. Analyze competitors uh, when I was launching my business to find out what they weren't offering as a product or services or learn from them. So take some ideas, but just make them better and more efficient. I I mentioned in the beginning that every business owner or marketing leader in a company needs to ask themselves, 
are you working for your website or is your website working for you? In other words, is your website making you money? How many times have you seen companies, James, sink thousands and sometimes, you know, yeah. hundreds and thousands of dollars into their websites with no ROI? Yeah, I, I see that all the time. And it it's funny because websites are kind of like cars in the sense that, you know, depending on who you're talking to, like we have the auto mile over on Route 1 in Norwood. Right. And you have Lexus, you have Ferraris, like you can get anything, you can get high end. Then you have, you know, used cars, you have Honda, you have Toyota, you have Fiat, you know, everything over there. And that's kind of how it is for a lot of people when they go on their journey to get a website. You know, as you mentioned, there's thousands of companies, millions of people that can help you. And that doesn't even include like someone's nephew or brother-in-law that's just like, oh, I took a course or... I watched a two-hour YouTube video. So a lot of the websites that we see are, are very ineffective. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. Part of it is that I think people, the web designers or people that are getting into the field, and I see this all of the time, and it's just, I'll give you an example. Is yeah, that I, I had um, a friend of mine reached out to me not too long ago, and you know she was considering doing She's like, oh, you know, you started one. How's it going? Do you think it would be a good career path for me? And I'm like, I would said to her, it's incredibly difficult. I'm like, I'm telling you this as your friend. I'm like, I wouldn't get into it. It's not because it's not because I want more competition. I'm, I'm trying to avoid getting more competition out there. It's just that it's an it's the barrier to entry is very low. So it's a very, very crowded field. And unless you have a way to stand out against the millions of people out there, you're just another person that's just spewing out website, blah, 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 do right. this, do that. Most people have no clue what they're like. I, I see people on LinkedIn. I see people on networking groups. I see ads on TikTok of people that they just spew out nonsense. Right. That it sounds good. Maybe they look good. And, and that helps, you know, them get maybe some attention. I'm Greg Potters with albumreview.net. Are you looking to start your own podcast? I can save you a ton of time and money by helping you launch, publish, and grow your podcast. So this includes things like finding the equipment, the software, and tips and tricks that are gonna be right for you and your budget. Also, if you're looking for things like editors, designers, or you just wanna find out what the best platform to use is, that's what I do. So you can find me at albumreview.net or message me directly at gpotters at albumreview.net. But that's part of the problem is that the people that are creating these sites, completely ineffective. So for example, there's a local business here that um, their website has a, um, their menu is a downloadable PDF. Now, only government organizations have to worry about things like ADA, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act. So it has to be um, screen reader friendly. PDFs typically are not there are advancing that point. technology. Yeah. But this particular business, because they're a business, they can actually be sued by someone that says that they're not able to access the website. That can be a discrimination suit. Those don't always go through. I don't want people to like listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, I got to go out and, 
and call and, James. Yeah, and do this, but it's like you know, it, it's rare. I mean, they do happen. Yeah, but like you know, it is it is a risk, and it's not a good practice either because you can't search for like the the items on their menu are not showing up in searches because they're embedded in a PDF. So I mean, there that's a missed opportunity for some ROI on there because. People will, will use their site. We call it a brochure site. A brochure site is just a website that's maybe one to three pages and has the type of info that you'd have on, you know, a brochure that you would hand out to people at a conference, right? Those sites, they're just there to make you look legit. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I'm, there's nothing to say that that's not okay for some businesses. For many businesses, that's all that they need. But if you're sinking a lot of money into your plant, your, your business, your business website, and this is where I'm trying to get at. I know this is a, a little bit of a long journey to get to the answer. But, Sorry, man. You know, I mean, I've had clients come to me where I did not build their site, but I'm trying to help them with other things like digital marketing or maintaining sure. it or hosting or all this other stuff. And they, you know, they complain because they're sinking all this money into it and getting nothing out. And I'm like, well, first of all, your design is poor. Second, your site takes, you know, half a minute to load. So no one's going to take a look at it. Right. And the other thing is it's like your messaging is very unclear. Nobody knows what to do when they get to your site. And, you know, if you're not using, especially if you're selling products, if your photos and images that you're using of your products aren't appealing, people aren't going to want to buy them. Right. So that's where I see a lot of a lot of failures there. I came across a site, one of my sales guys was brought this to my attention and you know, we're going to start talking to the business. And they, you know, it's April now. They have something on there where like the beginning of March it says our our restaurant will be closed for a uh, a private function. And I'm like this is over a month ago. They've had that up there. And then so what we did is we did some analysis and we calculated how much business they're probably losing. That's amazing. And like that's... the fact that you prepped that. So that yeah. was kind of like your marketing yeah. I preparation, mean, the, if the, you will. The problem is, is that a lot of web designers will sit there and tell you that you're losing X amount of dollars. And it's very hard to, to qualif- quantify that unless you have a lot of inside information on the business. It's right. like you've got to calculate. You know, it's ROI is pretty easy to figure out. It's like, you know, this, what would you change and what's the financial impact of that change? I mean, it sounds it sounds basic, but when you actually try and sit down and, and analyze the site with the client, sometimes coming to that conclusion is not always easy. Right. I mean, I talked, I spoke with someone last week that I'll probably do some work for, but the bottom line is that, you know, it was it was more of a desire than a need. I'm like, yeah, you really don't need to change this. It's fine the way it is. But then the person was just like, I'm bored of this. I, right. I want it to look differently. Yeah. I mean, we have clients that we run performance tests for. Mm-hmm. And Explain a performance test, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. Like, break it down yeah. for those of us. So a performance test, what that does, the, the main factor really is, speed, is page load time. That's okay. the big thing. Google had a report a few years ago, I think it was either 53 or 54% of website visitors will bounce a website, meaning they'll, yep. they won't wait for it to load if right. it takes more than three seconds. And, you know, thinking about as the generations, <laughs> yeah. for every new generation yeah. are less and less patient less than the one <laughs> right. prior to That's it. a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I mean, like that's that's the thing. So it's like if your if your website's taking five, ten, thirty, forty seconds to load, yeah, it's it's putting it at a disadvantage. You're, you're dead in the water. Let's be yeah. honest. But yeah. there's a lot more to it than speed. There's these things like Google factors in what they call page experience, and there's this right. there's this metric that they use, and I struggle with pronouncing it. So this will be like a, a sound bite for everyone to make fun <laughs> of. Me. It's called cumulative layout shift you did and a good job <laughs> the two and ironically the two biggest violators of this and it, you, this is where most people can probably relate an example of it call it cls for cumulative layout shift cls the biggest example of that is when a website is loading and you try and click a button and that button moves and you actually end up clicking on something else because the page isn't loaded oh correctly. my god james that happens to me yeah Daily, you want to know the two the two biggest offenders of that are Facebook and Google. Like, and is it intentional or is it? I I would hope not. I hope not too. But I just find it ironic. I fall victim to that all the time. Yeah. Do you know how many friend requests I've made by accident? And I'm just like (laughs) trying to load load us, and I'm like, oh, you know, you may know this person, and I'm like scrolling down, and I'm like, crap, I didn't invite. (laughs) And it like it would be someone maybe that I didn't want to connect with. Right, right. So it's like you know. Those... I'm so glad you said this because <laughs> it happens to me all the time. It could yeah. be on anything. It'd be ordering uh, on a on a restaurant website, or yeah. you know, just recently doing my taxes, or in I think <laughs> I know you hit submit and you're not ready you're yet. You're not ready. Yeah, <laughs> you meant to hit preview, but yeah. then it's like submit and you're like, crap. Now exactly. I got to file an amended return. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you, you, you just in that explanation there, you answered like six or seven of my next <laughs> questions, which is amazing. I, no, I mean, it. this is this is the plan, right? So like, yeah. you know, you already answered like, what can small business owners do to resist the urge to do this themselves? To explain yeah. the steps your company takes to first partner with a client, you, you went into that a little bit just with some of that preparation you did, which I think right. is amazing rather than other, some of your other competitors that might just be like, Hey, what's up, Joe? Yeah, my name's Phil. Like, what do you need? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like, they'll do that. They'll be like, you know, they won't say it like, you know, your website sucks, but like, they'll go out there. I, I, again, like, I see, I see it all the time on social, people spewing nonsense about like, oh, yeah, your website too. needs this, your website right. needs that. And half the time I'm like, it really doesn't, you know, it's like, I'm not really sure what their intention is when yeah. they, when they post a lot of the stuff. Like, you know, I... There's two people on TikTok that just drive me crazy. And I think we've talked about this. There's we like, have. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like there there was a woman that came on there and she's like, you know, I make $10,000 a month building websites and yeah. I don't even know how to code. And yeah. I feel like, so it's like funny. I had dinner with my electrician that night or a few nights after that. And I was saying to him, I'm like, you know, can you imagine if you're like, I'm an electrician <laughs> And I only know how to change light bulbs, you know. <laughs> I can't change your light socket. <laughs> but I'm going to come to your house but and I'll try. But I'll have a team offshore that can come in and do it James, for you. That is that is a, a brilliant example. And it goes back to something that we were talking about earlier, which is like, you know, a lot of your competitors are, you know, they're marketing. And that brings me to my favorite marketing topic of all time, mm-hmm. liquid depth. <laughs> to me yeah. is, and you and I talked about this, yeah. but I mean, there's got to be a lot of you out there that that know Liquid Death. You're, I'm starting to see it now in 7-Elevens and and convenience other convenience stores. But 
it was about two years ago I saw it at a concert and I thought it was an alcoholic beverage and it kind of, I might be letting on too much here, but it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And I tapped the guy on the shoulder who was carrying it and I said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's just water. And I thought he was being, yeah. I thought he was exaggerating and being like, it's such a bad alcoholic drink that it tastes like water. And I was like, oh really? It's that bad? And he said, no man, it literally is water. And he turned the can and I just, I look, I don't necessarily condone this, right? Because who's to say that their water is any better than, you know, we have Poland Spring here in the Northeast, which is a pretty reputable company out of Maine. Right, right. I, I think particularly makes, makes, they distribute very good tasting water. But I mean, a lot of it is in the marketing and we could have a whole nother episode on marketing and we will at some point. But I think the point that James is trying to get and the point that I'm trying to you know, push over the goal line is, you know, it's a lot of the people that do this, they're really good at marketing. They're really good at talking up, but can they actually do it? Right. right. So these are some things that now you mentioned earlier, James, and I want to, I want, I'm conscious of the time as well. So I don't have too many more questions, but I wanted to hit on a few topics. You, you talked earlier about, you know, the team that you have, mm -hmm. have, you know, and I myself have a recruiting background, but I wanted your opinion. Have you found it difficult to, to hire help in this market? Yes. And, um, primarily, yeah, I was going to say yes <laughs> and no, but it's, you know, it's, it's really tough because we're in an economy where a lot of folks, you know, they, they don't want to work traditional jobs. So right. like, you know, if you're Uber or DoorDash, a lot of the people that like you and I would hire as, let's say, interns or entry level, they're doing that because they can make their own hours. They can work around whatever schedule they want. They want to work. They work. They don't want to work. They don't have to work. Right. I've talked to a lot of businesses, local business, especially restaurants where, you know, you go into these restaurants and there's a, a 30 minute wait, but like the restaurant is maybe a quarter full. And that's so I can be an option. That's a great I can yeah. still be an optimist by saying saying it's a quarter full versus seventy five percent empty. <laughs> but uh, no, but in all seriousness, and I've talked to some some local restaurant owners about things like that, and they you know they've shared they're like they just can't they can't find help either. Yeah, I've been very fortunate where I've had I've been approached by a number of people that, and I don't know, I don't know what we're doing that drives people to us, but like. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking engagements and things like that. And yeah, I, I want to touch upon that in a moment. Yeah, that that I think helps because I, you know, I've had people reach out to me. In fact, just this morning, right before I came in here, I, I had someone that wants to come in for an interview next week. And the other thing too is I think creating a good environment. So like our at JVF, our principles, our our, our values, our core values. Number one is integrity, and I think. That's something that you have to show from the, the top down. And number two is loyalty. And I, I'm one of those people, loyalty is the most important thing I seek in all my relationships, business, personal. To me, if, if you're not loyal to me, and you know, I'm loyal to my friends, I'm loyal to my business associates. You sure are. If you're not loyal, you're useless to me and I don't need, you know, you're not, I, I don't need you in my, my circle. But understanding that, you know, like I am human and I sometimes make mistakes. What I the reason why I put integrity over loyalty is that I want my team to if, you know, if I say, oh, yeah, let's, you know, maybe we maybe the sales team were, we're looking at like quoting a job and, you know, the job is twice as much as what we would normally pay them. We know that they can afford. 
you know, we, I might say, all right, yeah, we'll jack up the price, but then, you know, I want the team to be able to say, hey, that goes against integrity. You know, if I'm not aware of something, because sometimes you, you know, you get caught up in the moment, not this, we actually had a conversation about this as part of the training where, with my new sales team, where I've said, you know, if that's the situation, we would add in more more services if right. we need if we need our price to be a higher price point, we'd just give them more services rather than charge them double what we're char- we're I don't want to do airline prices. Right. Which is what a lot of people do. It's like, you know, you go on a plane, everybody around you, you may pay nine hundred, someone may pay two hundred, right. someone may for pay the same seat to the same place. Yeah, yeah. For the same thing. So I mean like gym memberships are a lot yeah. like that too. Yeah. So that's that's part of it is that I think you know the experience that people have working. Yeah, it's a great us. point. You know, it's. I had I had two meetings just on Wednesday alone with the two different teams that we have, and just the the energy and all of that. And I think that's that's what spreads. Like, you know, the I had again one of our digital marketers was in here yesterday, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I have all these friends that I think might, you know, because I said like this is how I know it'll be successful is that you're going to." come out of here and tell your friends like this is the best thing you got to work here and you know when we were talking yesterday she was like yeah this has been good so far and that's a good sign yeah but i have other people that it's just you know we we love working together we love doing things together um you know now that we have the office space like you know we'll have lunch things like that so i mean like i have i have a few more team members that we'll probably be adding in the next uh, but before the end of april yeah um, a, a couple of openings, and then once we hit June, I expect to bring in additional folks starting June first. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I've had a few. Like I said, I've had a few people reach out. So it's been not as difficult as I expected it to be. But it's like anything. It's like if I may, sorry to interrupt you, but I think you know you to drive your point home. And this is what I'm getting out of what you're saying. And and I'm a little. <clears throat> advantaged here because I know James a little bit more, but James is a master networker. He is, and I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting in this room with this gentleman, he is probably the best that I've seen because he gets out there and just like every day I see a new post and he's at a new meeting and this guy has triplets. Like he, like he, he has a family, he's got a beautiful family and he's still managing that amazingly but he gets out there. And so, James, I think if you weren't you, your answer to your my previous question probably would have been like, yeah, I'm kind of struggling a little bit. I'm not really sure how, you know, where to look. And, you know, I, I've been right now, you know, I just posted a job the other day on two college websites, but that's all I've done. And I need to get out there. So like just being around you and hearing you is inspiring as well. And I'm hoping that my listeners, our listeners get, you know, get, kind of get that feel from you. Right. So I just, I had to mention that because it is so important is just get out there, get out there. You know, it, yes, you have to look at, I think where we get confused sometimes, I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but I think this is relevant where, where we get confused sometimes is, you know, very successful people say budget your time, manage it this, you know, like every hour this, but sometimes you're going to have a meeting with someone and something sparks and something comes out of it. So I say, to all of the business owners out there or entrepreneurs or people looking at just at the beginning, just get out there and talk to people because you never know what can happen, what can change. Right. Yeah. So, um, all right. 
So oh, go that, ahead. Actually, to that point, it's kind of interesting because you're right. You never know how somebody, how a relationship's going to to help you. Before I, th- there's actually a story I want to share, but before I get into it, there's a point I want to make, and it's counter counterintuitive to a lot of folks to do things this way, but what people don't realize is that you can't be selfish. Right. And I see that with so many people. When I first started doing online networking, classic example, you'd see people like we'd be in a breakout room. There'd be five of us. The person, the first person would go, they'd give their pitch and then they shut off their camera or they, they mute their microphone and they're clearly doing something else, not paying attention to everybody right. else. That's a great point. It's that's such an ineffective thing to do. You know, I I was guilty of that at times where it's like, you know, when I've been on when COVID first hit and all our meetings were online, I was in a lot of meetings where I didn't have to be fully engaged throughout the full hour. I don't sure. really need to talk for about five minutes. Yeah. So I got into that habit, which wasn't a good habit. And thinking back, I'm like, you know, that's something I'm not proud of. But when it's time to do and, and it's like you can change if you make mistakes. So when I started doing online networking, and that's one of the things that struck me because I wanted to know what people, you know, who the other people were, how I can help them. I mean, that's the the first question. Like, I'm a, I'm an ambassador here with the Metro West Chamber, so I'll meet people, and I'm like, oh, let me connect you with this person, connect you there. I've always loved to connect people, and I think that's that's critical because. You know, yeah, you may not get something out of it, but you're you're doing you're helping the greater good by doing that. And eventually it comes back to you because you get a reputation for helping people. And then that's when people will want to help you. But getting back to you never know how a connection will help you. One of my very good friends now, he and I connected when I when I was was ready, when I made the decision to leave, started doing online networking I found one of his events and met him online. And then he posted something for a LinkedIn posting party. And I reluctantly signed up for it. I had no idea what a LinkedIn posting party was. <laughs> Turned out that that posting party, it was for this networking group in Florida. And I, I literally, it was like 7 o'clock at night. And it's like 6.50, 6.55. I'm like, do I even do it? And I'm like... You know, if I want to be successful, sometimes you got to do things that make you uncomfortable. So it was uncomfortable, but I went down, I did it. Best decision. Yeah, exactly. That almost happens every time, right? Yeah. I I mean, and I mean, like it triggers, like it's had a ripple effect, like you cannot believe. So that group, 30%, yeah, about a third of my business that, that calendar year, 2021, when that happened. All because of that decision. And you almost didn't go. So think about that. Like, And that changed my life because that showed me how to do online networking. I mean, the guy that runs the group is a phenomenal person. His name's Brian Daly, um, based out of uh, West Palm Beach in Florida. It's called Epic. It's a great group. They're still going pretty strong. So by doing that group, a good friend of mine in that group that did payment processing would get, he'd always tell, tell us, ask people, are they happy with their credit card processor? So what ends up happening is we, you know, fast forward to that summer, we're having a block party, socially distanced because it was during COVID and a Kona ice truck pulls up and, you know, I go to pay by credit card and, and the guy whose name is Guy, <laughs> I call a guy named Guy, good, another good we friend. We know Guy very well. Uh, he, he mentioned how his credit card, like, he's like, oh, my credit card thing's like being a pain today. I'm like, are you happy with your credit card processor? <laughs> Just to be funny. And he's like, well, why do you ask? And I'm like, I'm part of a networking group. And before I could 
you know, tell him about my friend. He's like, oh, I'm part of a group too. What do you do? And I told him and he's like, yeah, why don't you, why don't you join us? That's and amazing. So that's the group that you and I are in. Yeah. James pulled me in and yeah, it's and one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I have but, James to thank for it. But that also introduced me to one of the people that run the Metro West Chamber here. And that's been a big source of, of uh, you know, clients and it's been a huge help. That's why we're where we are today right here. Yeah. And you never know how just like one in one decision will have that impact. Yep. So sometimes, you know, you might just help somebody out. You know, I was listening to a guy that's got a a podcast that he was talking about how he talked to somebody and that person gave him 600 leads and he made like $32 million from those 600 leads from that one conversation that he had. So you never know, like you might be on a plane, you might be standing in line. You never know where you're going to meet, like, you know, your yeah. your next business partner, or your next big client or your source of referrals. So yep. that's that's really critical when it comes to networking is that you've got to always be on the lookout. So I think that the net net here is be prepared, create a business plan, know that you're going to have to adapt and edit it a little bit. But also, like James is saying, get out there and just, you know, meet people, talk to people. Because you just you just never know, and I I think if you have the energy, if you have the enthusiasm, people are going to see it. So you got to be passionate about what you're doing, right? And so that's that's huge. So James, thanks so much, man, for joining me on the podcast today. For listeners, I'm going to put James's contact details in the show notes. But right off the bat, you can, if you're interested, you can book a free consultation with James by going to jvf.com. Thank you again, man. It's been a pleasure, pleasure um, for you just educating us about your journey. And I look forward to, hopefully, if you will, have you back on the podcast again another time. Absolutely. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. All right. Thanks, man. trip down by the highway take a 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 trip